Welcome to This Week in Video Games episode 46. My name is Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week I've been playing Ori and the Will of the Wisps, the beautiful follow-up from Moon Studios. I've also been playing The Longing, which is a new indie idol game. Destiny 2 released their new season of content and with it the return of Trials of Osiris. So I'll have a look at that. And I have an interview with Anselm Pitter, the creator of The Longing. So it's a jam-packed show. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week and the world has been slightly turned upside down with the ongoing coronavirus issues around the world. I'm sure that's been taking up a lot of space in your life, but this week in video games is still rolling along, keeping you up to date with the latest goings on in the video game world. But do keep yourself safe out there, wash your hands and do take care of each other. I'm back in the UK after a few weeks away in Brazil and it's good to be back. I'm back just in time too. There's been some major news this week and we've probably exited the holding pattern that we were in concerning game releases. We've had a major release this week with Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and I'll get to my review of that very, very soon. E3 has been cancelled due to the ongoing COVID-19 worries, and that follows on from GDC and EGX Res being cancelled as well. So if you want to get involved more in the community, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, chat about games, movies, TV shows and podcasts, come on over to Discord. The link is in the show notes. And if you want to send in questions, get early access to the podcast and other exclusive audio, then sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. But first up, let's have a look at what I've been playing this week. So this week I've been playing Ori and the Will of the Wisps, The Longing and Destiny 2. So Ori and the Will of the Wisps is the follow-up to Ori and the Blind Forest, and Ori is back in a bigger and better sequel. This is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played, and it's available from day one on Xbox Game Pass. So if you're a subscriber to that service, then you get it on day one. Xbox Game Pass continues to knock out the hit, and things are really looking up for Microsoft. In the indie world, games continue to release, and I've been playing a really interesting title called The Longing. This is a game all about patience, as you've been instructed by your king to wait 400 days. And that is in real time. You spend your days decorating your cave, reading, drawing, and exploring the underground world found in The Longing. I wasn't expecting to like this game as much as I do, but the developer has managed to find an emotional connection, and it's a very unique gaming experience. I'll get into my review of that later on in the show, as well as an interview with the developer Anselm Peter. But first up, let's get into my review of Ori and the Will of the Wisps.
Story and the Will of the Wisps is a beautiful game full of fluid movement, big set pieces, furious action and heartfelt moments that will amaze and delight you. This is the follow-up to Ori and the Blind Forest from Moon Studios with big boots to fill after their superb first game and the boots definitely have been filled. The colours and world of Ori and the Will of the Wisps are vibrant and pops out of the screen regularly throughout the game. This game levels up from the first in almost every way related to gameplay, combat, puzzles and the vibrant world that you inhabit. There are times throughout the game where your jaw will drop at what you're seeing in this game. The world around you is alive through the leaves on the trees, the animals you interact with and the dangerous environments that are out to get you. The story in Ori and the Will of the Wisps carries on from where we left off in the last game. Ori went on an adventure to save the forest and now life has settled down. So Ori is raising a tiny owl left to her by Kuro, a massive bird that spent much of the last game chasing Ori. Ori's owl is having trouble learning to fly and Ori offers up the owl a feather from Kuro to help them out because the little owl, the poor little thing, has got a broken wing. After a beautiful cutscene where Ori and the owl take flight, both are caught in a huge storm caused by the corruption of the last game and it's back once again to cause Ori and the forest lots of problems. So Ori and the owl are split up during the storm and it's down to Ori to restore the forest once again and reunite with the owl. Due to the storm, Ori is left alone in a new part of the forest with new secrets and power-ups to find, as well as face an old enemy. Old characters return in the game along with Ori. The spirit tree is back once again, along with incredible sound effects and a voice that drives the narrative forward in the game. There's some elements here that have been inspired by other Metroidvanias like Hollow Knight. So you've got NPCs, they're dotted around the map, offering more story details, but also tools to help you along on your journey. We've got Lupo who helps you out with your maps as well as Moki. There's a group of little furry creatures that provide more details about the world around you. Twilan is the vendor who sells you various items like shards and stones that provide new skills and temporary buffs. Side quests are more apparent in the Wellspring Glades this time which provide extra secrets and narrative for you to explore along the way to finishing the main story. These extra characters and quests provide another layer that was perhaps missing in the first Ori game and allows the player to have a deeper connection with the game world that Moon Studios have created. Power-ups are an important part of Ori and the Will of the Wisps. New areas will be locked off to you without these skills, so finding the spirit trees and levelling up is your first priority. These skills and abilities drastically change the way Ori play and traverse the environment. So the world is designed with these new skills in mind with forest, water and sand blocking your path. As well as the power-ups that can be gathered out there in the world, you can also head back to the village to buy new skills through vendors like Twilan. Skills bought at the village can feed into your combat options, so layers of complexity have been added to the combat controls in Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Whereas in the last game, you could probably get away with button mashing to get through enemies. Here, more skill and timing is required. Multiple attacks in the air, lock-on attacks, double jumping, fireballs, they're all available at your disposal this time round. Ori feels fluid and free as you move through the environments and attack your opponents. It's one of the best feeling games in terms of traversal through environments and chaining combinations together. This time round platforming has been toned down and combat and big set pieces have been brought into focus. There's huge boss fights but rather than chasing huge bosses through an area as we did in the blind forest, more traditional boss fights have been installed here. So early on you've got a mass so early in the game you've got a huge fight against a massive wolf where you have to take on with just a lone torch. It's a really, really cool set piece. 
There's a layer of complexity that's been added here with various systems, either through combat or developing Ori's skills, which may divide fans. Personally, I enjoyed the improvements, but it's unclear as if it's going to be a welcome evolution to the first game. The graphics and the audio in the game are another huge success from Moon Studios. The colourful, vibrant characters and the immense world that's been created with care. And once again, we've got huge set pieces that will make you sit back and simply go wow. This is like a cartoon come to life, one that you can control and shape the story ahead of you. Performance at times can send the computer or console you're playing on into overdrive, but thankfully many of the issues that were found during the early release versions of the game have been fixed with a day one patch, so you shouldn't see those issues. Ori and the Will of the Wisps has to be the best game released so far in 2020. It's also available from day one on Xbox Game Pass, as I mentioned before, so if you're subscribed to that service, then there's another amazing game to add to your library. So the game is developed by Moon Studios, it's available on Xbox and PC, and was originally released on the 11th of March 2020, and I gave the game a final score of 84 out of 100. But what do you think of Ori and the Will of the Wisps? Let me know by signing up to Patreon or patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. Well that's it for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, but next up, let's have a look at E3 being cancelled. The biggest gaming event in the world, E3, has been cancelled due to the ongoing concerns of coronavirus. The event was due to take place on June 9th to the 11th. However, due to the global pandemic, the ESA has taken the decision for E3 2020 to be cancelled. So this is huge news, especially as this year Sony and Microsoft are due to release their new consoles. And you have to ask whether that's going to happen now. We, we really don't know. There had been rumours building over the past week since the cancellation of GDC and the news was broken on Twitter. So E3 said, The E3 team is devastated to share this news. This decision was not reached lightly, but it's the right one for the health and safety of all involved. You can read our statement here. And they go on to explain the reasons why E3 was cancelled there. So companies may now decide to hold online events to replace the yearly gathering in Los Angeles. And in recent years, Nintendo have moved their press conference to an online kind of Nintendo Direct. Nintendo have always had a major show floor presence, and people are definitely going to miss that. Sony also had already pulled out of the event. So question marks are now on the future of E3, and if the event will return in its previous form in 2021. So companies such as Microsoft, Bethesda, Ubisoft, Nintendo, Sony, and Devolver Digital will likely still hold online events. We definitely know that Nintendo and Sony will through their directs or their state of plays, but it'll be interesting to see what the other companies do. So the ongoing COVID-19 situation forces the issue of seeing the world without an E3 event, and if everything goes well, companies will question the amount of money that they spend on the show floor at E3, and only time will tell for the future of this event. It's sad news on a few fronts, particularly for indie companies, freelancers and fans. Many smaller companies benefit from the industry meeting in one place. Lots of deals are made just by bumping into people at the event. The gaming industry also has many smaller outlets and freelancers are going to lose out on the opportunity for interviews and provide insights into the latest games and consoles. Hands-on impressions are important for the industry and the press as it gives us the chance to inform the public on the progress of major games and consoles. Companies will now present their products to the audience without them getting their first-hand impressions. 
The press conferences are a source of major excitement for fans and the show floor over the few days of the event is a chance for fans to get their hands on the games and give their honest opinion on the state of the games. E3 has been struggling over the past few years to remain relevant in the industry. A few years ago, the ESA opened up the event to the public in an attempt to switch up the event. However, many in the industry feel that they need to go further. For smaller developers, E3 is very expensive to take part in and opportunities to promote games is getting less and less. In 2019, the gaming world was shocked when personal information of 2,000 journalists was accidentally published on E3's website. So this all follows on a few weeks of turbulence for E3 as the creative team in charge of the event, I Am 8-Bit, resigned from the creative direction of the major gaming event. So I Am 8-Bit said on Twitter, it's with mixed emotions that I Am 8-Bit has decided to resign as creative directors of what was to be an evolutionary E3 2020 floor experience. We've produced hundreds of gaming and community events and it was a dream to be involved with E3. We wish the organizers all the best of luck. So E3 is the latest casualty on big tech events related to coronavirus. Other cancelled events include the BAFTA Game Awards, WWDC, that's Apple's developer conference, TwitchCon Europe, EGX Res, and the Game Developers Conference, which was due to be held earlier this year. Gamescom, the biggest gaming event in Europe, well, their plans are currently up in the air. So we're yet to see plans of what is going to replace E3 this year, if anything. 2020 is a huge year for video games with Sony due to release their PlayStation 5 and Microsoft due to release their Xbox Series X console. So companies are expected to band together and create an online event of some kind, hopefully replacing the hype normally reserved for E3. Well, with the situation around the world changing rapidly, we'll just have to watch this space concerning the future of E3 and other gaming events. Well, what do you think of the current situation and E3 being cancelled? Let me know. Let me know by signing up to Patreon on patreon.com forward slash this week in video games. Well, if you're enjoying this week in video games podcast, then head over to iTunes and it'd be great if you could leave us a nice review. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. So if you've got access to iTunes, then I'd really appreciate it if you give us a nice review. And you can check out a link down in the show notes. Don't forget, This Week in Video Games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast. The YouTube channel has the entire archive of the podcast, as well as dedicated reviews, interviews, and features. Search This Week in Video Games on YouTube and subscribe today for all that latest content. And if you want to see anything specific on YouTube, sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. It would be great to hear from you. Well, next up, I've been playing The Longing this week, and I've got an interview with the developer Anselm Pitter, so let's go to that interview now. Okay, so welcome back to This Week in Video Games, and I'm here with Anselm Pitter from Studio Zeus, and uh, welcome. How's it going? Hi, yeah, it's uh, pretty stressful, but... Uh... Not too bad. Is that is that because you recently launched The Longing? You guessed right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, how how was launch week last week? How how did it go? Well, um, of course, it's always like super stressful because you don't know what will happen. Maybe there's some bug you did not find, and and you kind of press the button or let it press from someone else uh, but um, in any case uh, the moment it's out you kind of feel like 
really depressed, at least in my case, because you know it's over and it's kind of now uh, you cannot change anything anymore. So because this game has taken so long for me, it's like was started in 2014 when I started with the first drawings and concepts. The moment you launch the game, it really um, feels like feels pretty harsh. Yeah, but um, I'm feeling a bit better now after I see all the positivity that, uh, for example, the Steam reviews are pretty great. Um, so, but yeah. Um, still a bit anxious about it all, and I still don't, still longing uh, for the moment when I can really uh, enjoy looking back at the game. Yeah, it, it's something that you pour your passion, your time, your energy. I can only begin to imagine how you must feel in releasing it. And um, for those who don't know about the longing, could you could you tell our audience a bit about the game? Sure, um, it's kind of a mix between um, adventure game and idle game, uh, which is like sh uh, short for incremental game. It's a kind of a s weird, small genre of games that use time and um, like in incrementing mechanisms. Famous uh, games would be like Cookie Clicker or Clicker Heroes. They're also c called Clicker games sometimes. And um, is uh, in this game you play a small shade um, and uh, like a small servant but looking like a golem from Lord of the Rings and um, he is down in a cave deep uh, beneath the earth and he gets the task to wait for 400 days to finally um, awaken the king who gives him this task and the king goes to sleep he kind of he gathers his remaining strength and uh, you just have the task to wait there and basically do one job, which is awaking the king after the time. And um, the game starts and you see a big countdown in the game. 400 days, uh, they start to count down in real time. So one second in the game in the beginning is one second in your life. And the game keeps running even if you're not playing. So um, this is the similarity to idle games uh, where you kind of, they always run. It's like a virtual room uh, the, the game tries to create that's always has some life in it. A bit also like Tamagotchi. And you have this creature, this uh, shadow creature, and he kind of, of course, he's a bit uh, bored and uh, lonely and depressed because he is completely alone in this cave. He's like the last remaining servant of the king. And now it's up to you how to pass your time. And uh, you can explore the caves. Uh, it's like an underground palace of sorts and can find stuff to put in your home, like decorate the walls with crystals and find uh, color stones uh, to draw pictures and um, the more comfortable your home gets, the more stuff you put in, the faster time can go um, down there because it's like happy times are more fleeting of course and um, you can also try to like explore more and find different ways uh, and um, yeah, there are various endings, so you don't have to necessarily wait for 400 days. You can end the game sooner, and um, not going to tell too much about that, but uh, yeah, basically, that's it. 
it's it's really it's really fantastic and it, it it's so unique in uh and I, I i was having a look around in my cave uh reading uh reading some of the books and um i, I see you've got a full version of moby dick on the bookshelf <laughs> yeah of course that's a joke because uh, the book is um like has this uh how do you say um they, it's obviously a like big book it's really hard uh, for some people to read so uh i put that in because it's uh, obviously like gives a bit of a joke uh, <laughs> because it's in there uh, but there are I, don't even know it's the biggest book of the of them all. As of course, yeah, um, I think the biggest book in there is uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, but it's split up in five or four parts. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of classics of of literature and um, poems uh, like Edgar Allan Poe stuff or um, German lore like um, uh, like what fits the. Um, like atmosphere of the game, um, yeah. And you mentioned the atmosphere of the game. There, the art is absolutely fantastic. It's it's beautiful. Uh, it the, the the emotion in the game, I think, is really something that that struck me. Um, so how how do you go about crafting uh, such a world like that that invokes such a kind of um, emotional reaction from the players? Well, I think the most emotional part is like the character because he is uh, he's so uh, small and vulnerable, and uh, it was of course the goal to have uh, the player care for the character and um, feel sad about him, like being in this cave and finding different ways and um, like different ways to give him some kind of entertainment at least. And um, yeah, regarding the art style, I kind of was—I'm not sure if um, I was—I was inspired by like children's books and like illustrations, for example, the Moomin books. And um, I think they also have this kind of uh, what you described: this um, this is a certain um, melan melancholy about that. Um, in in old stories in general, like uh, like the original story this um, game is based on, by the way, is like a, um, a German myth of, or it's actually a European myth. It's a different variations um, of uh, um, Charlemagne, uh, like um, say, uh, no, 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 uh, not not uh, not uh, not Charlemagne. I mean the uh, Barbarossa, the King who is um, who vanished and died under mysterious circumstances, and there's like this um, tale um, where he uh, like he retreated to a mountainside and he sits down in the cave and sleeps, and all those uh, the stories, fairy tales, often have this um, this atmosphere to them that I just try to recreate with the game. Really, I hope. This answers the question somehow. Yeah, I, I think I think you've done an absolutely um, fantastic job because uh, I, I really I really cared about well, I'm continuing to care about the character because I I still have a few uh, a few hundred days to <laughs> to go, um, but I've yeah really really enjoyed the game so far. 
Um, but what, what would you say was the kind of biggest challenge kind of working on the game, like the longing? Definitely the coding stuff, because um, it's really hard to... This system of time is not so normally used in games, so you don't have much, like, you cannot just... If you would make a side-scrolling game, you would have much more reference. And in this case, uh, for example, you, uh, like the character has to do stuff in idle all the time and needs to have like different animation states for everything. And it's really a bug hell uh, that uh, like took really long to polish all this because you have to test everything in different like states you cannot just uh, test it oh it's working you have to test if what happens if you close the game overnight or what happens <clears throat> if you um do nothing for for some time and uh, keep idling and um that was really the greatest challenge to like have this code work uh, at least um somehow properly and test it all and um that was really uh at least for me, because I'm not such a good coder, and I just um, I had a professional coder who did most of the groundwork, and then I had to kind of to polish that and make that work in the game. That was really hard, and um, I mean the artwork is of course also painful because uh, it's so detailed with all the um, hatching, you say um, cross hatching. Mm. Um, that really takes takes a long time, but that was fun to do. I mean, that's uh, art. Uh, is, uh, I'm, I'm more than uh, of an artist and a coder, so um, that was the most fun, anyways. But the coding and stuff, uh, like testing, that was really. I could have had uh, less of that. <laughs> well, yeah. And um, so, how can players find out more about the game? Well. Just uh, go to Steam or GOG, good old games, and it should be uh, should be on there. So just search for it. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, do you have any um, social media accounts you want to kind of shout out so people can um, follow you and uh, catch up with uh, the news on the game? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we have a um, Studio Zeifts Facebook account, and we have a. Uh, Instagram account and we have uh, I have a personal Twitter account um, um, Anselm Pewter if you can <laughs> spell that out uh, and uh, search for it but um, yeah uh, I'm not such, such active on social media I, of course now at the moment I'm super active but um, yeah you can you can get some some updates there sure what I'll do is I'll, I'll link all of your social media uh, and Steam um, and GOG pages for uh, for the game in the show notes of the of the podcast. So um, so hopefully people can find it nice and easy. So if you're interested in that, I will link that down in the show notes. Um, or yeah, I think I think it's an absolutely fantastic fantastic uh, game. I, I've not come across a game like that before where it felt like. Um, quite a slow burn, very methodical, very and very in depth. Um, and no, I think I think it's absolutely absolutely wonderful. Um, so, what's next for for you in the studio? Um, yeah, um, 
personally, I have some things up the shelves that I kind of couldn't work on because I had to make the longing, which is um, my uh, web series, uh, like animation, 2D animation series, where I have made the pilot episode and as part of my animation diploma, like uh, four years ago. I will release that um, in the coming months. Um, so yeah, uh, that's coming up. It's like a 10 minute uh, 2D animation. And um, besides that, we as a studio, we have uh, the game that's currently being finished is called VR Pigeons, which is a VR game where you play uh, basically a pigeon, like the title says, and you uh, have to move uh, by forcefully like um, moving your head back and forth like a real pigeon does, like uh, you just move the the um the head and so the headset gets an input for the controls so you like move like an absolute <laughs> idiot in the game it's really fun fun to watch other people play that because it looks ridiculous and um that's kind of a vr parody game uh um arcades game and uh, it's coming out for oculus go sometime also in the next months because uh Hopefully, um, will be finished by then. Uh, no, no release date yet. And um, besides that, we also have, um, like, uh, yeah, we as a studio always have like some, some other stuff. Uh, I mean, we are working on the next big game that would be um, Lucky Tower Part Three. We did the first two parts like almost ten years ago. Um, when we are still uh, like. Uh, doing um not even studying like after school uh and um we really wanted to make a third part of the game series um was an old flash game like uh, classic series so that's also in planning it's like a more humorous game not so depressing as the longing but i really i think at the moment i'm not I'm maybe tending more towards some fun games uh, because the longing took so long to make and it was such a, such a depressing theme of course uh, it was <laughs> such a long time can get to you so maybe uh, more more fun games in the future from us but of, of course um, like uh, the name of our studio is like uh, Studio Sai in English like we want to make emotional stuff so it will always be in there but uh, of course it can also mean like more happy emotions as well how do, how do you and the team go go about coming up with ideas for new games? It sounds like it sounds like you've got a lot going on at, at the minute. So uh, I'm interested in sort of how do you how, how do you find the time to come up with new ideas? I don't know. Um, it pops just just pops up in your head. I mean, if you get bored, I mean, boredom is the greatest source of creativity. And especially if you work so long on something, uh, you always think, ah, I have this new idea, maybe you can make that. And uh, yeah, that's um, never had a problem with that, to be honest. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think the longing is uh, an absolute triumph. I um, I work with um, I've I've worked with application systems for. For a number for a number of years, and uh, I was really really pleased when they recommended me your game, 
and um, I, th I think it's absolutely wonderful. Like I say, it's it, it's emotional, it's it's unique. The the art and the music, or, or the, the 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 audio, I should say, in the in the game really draws you in, and um, it's it's a wonderful experience. So um, I recommend that everyone out there um, who's listening go and go and pick up the longing and uh, give it a go because I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, well. I've taken up enough time. Uh, I've, I've taken up enough of your time today, so I really appreciate you talking to me about the longing. And um, I guess good luck with uh, with um, VR pigeons and uh, and and your next release. Thank you very much. Well, that was me there talking to Anselm Peter, and thank you so much for taking your time out to talk to us on This Week in Video Games. I know you've recently launched the game, and I'm sure it's a really really busy time. So I really appreciate you talking to us on the podcast. Well, next up, let's go into my review of The Longing. What do you do when your king and idol tells you to wait, and I mean wait, for a long time? In The Longing, you play as a small shade who's been given the instruction to wait it out for his king to regain his power, and you have to wake him up when he's ready. The only catch is that it's 400 days in real time, so there's plenty of time to fill. The Longing is an idle puzzle game that's all about patience. You've been given 400 days to bide your time before you have to wake the king, so it's all about how you spend your time. There's a timer at the top of the screen always looming, reminding how long there is to go. Even when you close the game, the timer will continue to run down. It's a game about quiet moments and waiting. When you're in the game, you have plenty of caverns to explore. You can decorate your quarters or hunt for items and coal. If you've never got around to reading Moby Dick, then you're in luck, because there's a full version on the shelf and you can read that if you want to. The game is really emotive. The design of the shade really makes you feel sorry for the little guy. He's got big, sad eyes and he's really, really small. The world around him is so big and he seems really vulnerable. The shade moves really slowly and even doors take time to open, as they haven't been open for years. However, you've got a lot of time to fill, so the pacing really works. The world you inhabit as the tiny shade seems huge. There's underground caverns, grand royal rooms covered with precious stones and huge big stairways that seem to go up forever. And there's also mysterious doors to open to see what's hiding behind. The world around you changes ever so slightly with rocks falling in the background and water dripping and the ambience of the game builds up to reinforce that sense of loneliness. 
There are various time-gated puzzles in the game, and you may have to wait for an ancient door to slowly creak open, plants to grow, or perhaps creatures to help get you to new areas by building bridges. As you explore the areas, there's a mechanic that allows you to remember where you've been and then fast travel, which is a handy feature as the shade walks very, very slowly. It's important to remember your way as it could be easy to get lost in the vast underground. As you walk along, our little shade friend will talk about how he feels. He notes down in his diary that he wants to talk to someone else and wondering aloud if he should really wait for his king or try to escape. As time goes by, our shade starts to doubt himself whether he can complete such a big task. It's an emotional experience which I really wasn't expecting. Much like slower TV series of recent years, this isn't a wham-bam action game. It's all about the quiet moments in between. There are items that you can find throughout the underground to help fill the time. In particular, the shade is somewhat of an artist and he likes to draw. You start out with just one colour, black, but you can find others throughout the world and add more flair to the drawings. Once you're done, you can hang them on your wall to spruce up your living quarters. The Longing is a unique game full of emotion. The graphics are simple, yet very effective, and the character design is very emotive. The music in the game reminded me of a clockwork orange in places with 80s style synth music, further increasing that sense of danger in this vast world. It's slow, but it's intentional. You can finish the game in less than 400 days, as my chat with the developer confirmed. However, how we go about doing that is unknown at the moment, but I've marked my calendar for 400 days time from now, and I personally can't wait to find out what happens to our little shade. Over the coming weeks and months, maybe I'll find a way to escape. Maybe I'll get to the door and I won't want to leave my king sleeping, as I really want to find out what happens when he wakes up. Hopefully he'll reward me with something for all this waiting. The Longing is an interesting game that I'd recommend checking out. It's slow, but it definitely gives you time to think. If you're used to action moments and fast-paced gameplay, then this may not be for you. However, if you're looking for a unique gaming experience, then I'd recommend giving this one a shot. So this was developed by Studio Suvs. It's available on PC, Mac and Linux, and was originally released on the 5th of March 2020, and I gave the game a final score of 72 out of 100. But what do you think of The Longing? Let me know by signing up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames. That's it for my review of The Longing, but next up, the new season is available in Destiny 2 and Trials of Osiris is back. So Trials of Osiris is back in Destiny 2 and it's the pinnacle PvP mode that happens every weekend. It's been away for a long time and with a huge influx of new players since it went away, I thought it'd be good to go over a few points in terms of how it all works. Trials of Osiris is a 3v3 elimination PvP mode with Saint-14 calling the matches. So the higher the power level the better and the minimum requirements are 960. So before you start you want to pick up a card from Saint-14 and your card is the ticket into the event. So you need to try and get as many wins as possible and it's 3 losses and you have to start again. Get 7 wins in a row with 0 losses and you get a flawless victory and passage to the lighthouse. And this is the most coveted location in Destiny PvP history with some sweet rewards that will be waiting for you. So Trials of Osiris, it starts on Friday at reset and sticks around till Tuesday reset, giving you a few days to try and get to the lighthouse and get those rewards. So there's a few things that you're gonna to need to get, including the right power level, that's 960, a Trials Passage card, and obviously a fire team, because this is not match made. 
So you're going to need two buddies, so you can either pull them from your clan or use the Bungie Companion app to find some fire team members, and that can be downloaded for Android and iOS. So Saint-14 is the voice of Charles, and Saint is going to live in the tower in his normal place. Uh, you can find him in the hangar. And uh, when Charles is available, Saint-14's inventory changes and is updated with Charles passages, bounties, and the option to turn in Charles tokens. So you've got Trials Passages, and uh, these also include like the boons from Destiny 1. So there's five unique passages that can be bought from Saint-14, and they offer up their own mechanics. So each passage will track wins and losses in a single Trials run. And if three losses appear on a passage, players will be restricted from the activity and will either have to reset the passage or purchase a new one. So you've got a Mercy one, and uh, that forgives one loss per run. That's probably best for beginners and if you're not that confident with your PvP skills. You've got Ferocity, uh, so with zero losses, your third win grants a bonus win, and uh, this is similar to one of the boons back in Destiny 1. You've got a passage called Confidence as well, and that grants a bonus reward from the Flawless Chest. Uh, you've also got one called Wealth, that increases the Trials tokens from completing and winning Trials matches. You've also got Wisdom as well, and that unlocks at seven wins, and that grants bonus XP from Trials wins, scaling with the number of wins on a ticket. So passages can be used throughout Trials Weekend and can be reset at any time. Only one passage can be purchased at a time, but players can switch them out with new ones to unlock, and progress will reset with each passage purchase. So there's bounties as well, uh, the regular kind of daily, weekly, and additional bounties. And also you've got loot and rewards. So Trials is all about the armor and weapons you can get. They look really cool, and you can represent your battles in Trials. So get three, five, or seven wins in Trials, and you'll be rewarded with weekly challenges and uh, Trials rewards that can be unlocked on a single passage card. So after three wins, you get a tier two powerful drop. Five wins, you get a tier three. Seven wins, you get pinnacle gear. So if you make it to seven wins and zero losses, you get access to the lighthouse, and that is a social space dedicated to those who go flawless. So this is on Mercury, and you'll be able to open up the coveted flawless chest, which contains the best loot. So pinnacle gear, it's given once a week per class. Once the chest has been opened, players leave the lighthouse, a new flawless passage will need to be completed to return. So I hopped into Trials of Osiris this weekend, and uh, I'm not very good at PvP. I actually used the Bungie app to find some fire team members, and I had a really good couple of games. You're going to be meeting some highly skilled PvP players in there, and I must say there was a lot of hard light, and there was a lot of revoker. So do prepare yourself. And I've got a few guides on my YouTube channel about how to get those weapons. So if you're interested in getting the best weapons for Trials of Osiris, hop on over to the YouTube channel and have a look at those guides. So Trials is back in Destiny 2, and I would love to know what you think of Trials of Osiris if you play Destiny 2. Let me know by signing up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames. It would be great to hear from you. Well, that's it for Trials of Osiris. Next up, let's have a look at the charts. So at 10 this week, we've got Luigi's Mansion 3, and that is up three places from last week's number 13. Number 9 this week, it's Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, that's down one place from number 8. Number 8 this week, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, that's down two places from last week's number 6. Number 7 this week, it's Minecraft, that's down two places from number 5. Number 6 this week, it's Two Point Hospital, that was last week's number 2, and that one seems to be falling down the charts. Number 5 this week is Tom Clancy's The Division 2, up 2 places from last week's number 7. Number 4 this week is FIFA 20. 
Number three this week, it's Grand Theft Auto V. Number two this week, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And that was last week's number one. And also, we had Warzone release in the last week as well. So that's really, really cool. But number one this week, it's a new entry with Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX. That's out on Nintendo Switch. So congrats to the team behind that game. Well, next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming up in the next few weeks. So on the 17th of March, we've got a few games. We've got Green and Orcs Life, that's on PC. We've got MLB The Show 20, that's on PS4. We've got RBI Baseball 20, that's on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, iOS and Android. We've got Division 2, that's coming out on Stadia. Then on the 20th, we've got a few games. We've got Animal Crossing New Horizons, and I'm really excited for that one. We've also got Doom 64, that's coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And also, we've got Doom Eternal as well, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. On the 23rd of March, we've got Half-Life Alex, and that looks to inject new life into VR. And I'm really on the fence at the minute. I really, really want to buy a Valve Index, and uh, I've got my sort of finger hovering over the buy button on Steam at the minute. So haven't decided yet, but I'll let you know how I get on with that. Also on the 23rd, we've got Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3. That's out on PC. On the 24th, we've got Bleeding Edge, that's on Xbox One and PC. We've got Deep Sky Derelicts, that's on PS4. And we've got Moons of Madness, that's on PS4 and Xbox One. Finally, on the 27th of March, we've got Gigantosaurus the Game, that's on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Lost Worlds Beyond the Page, that's on Stadia. We've got One Piece Pirate Warriors 4, that's on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. And we've got Saints Row 4 re-elected on Switch. So a few games come out there and I'm definitely excited about Animal Crossing New Horizons and Doom Eternal. And like I said, I'm really, really close to buying Half-Life Alex, although I'm not too sure about that yet. I'll have to see if my budget allows me. Well, that's it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, do get in contact through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram to search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in the conversation. Well, thanks once again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you have a good week. I'll talk to you in a few weeks' time, but for now... I'll see you soon.